All right. Well, hey, so glad that you guys are here tonight. If you have it, go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word or your app of God's Word, whatever it is. You're going to want to turn to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, and we will be there in just a second. Um, if you guys were not with us last week, you were probably um, very scared of weather, and so I need to catch you up to what we're, what we're walking through right now. So we kicked off Revive last week with a two-part sermon series that we're going to be ending tonight, and we're calling this sermon series Resolute. Resolute. And the idea there is uh, that it, it, it kind of takes a spin off of New Year's resolution. Resolute is like the root word of where we get resolution. It's actually the word resolve, which means to stand firm in some sort of a decision or a position. And so what we're doing is we are walking through two resolutions that are like the best resolutions that you can have as a follower of Jesus in 2023. Last week, we talked about prayer. And um, man, I don't know about you guys, but I was so, so encouraged and challenged uh, to walk through our prayer challenge. So many of you guys I, I saw and have talked to um, that that was a, a game changer for you. And that does not have to stop this week. Uh, please, I would love for you to continue to pray over what the Lord is doing at Revive through our college ministry uh, well on into the future. So even though it was just a prayer challenge last week, man, keep it up. Uh, that discipline is going to serve you so well in your relationship with the Lord. But we talked about prayer last week, and uh, there's another resolution that we're going to talk about this week. And um, I'll, I'll set it up for us like this. Has anyone ever had um, like sideline passes to any sort of a sporting event before? Like sideline passes where you get to go down and like experience what it's like to, to be right there in the, like next to the players. Has anybody ever experienced that before? No? Me neither. So um, I would imagine that it's probably really cool. I, I actually know some friends that were able to get sideline passes for a Jaguars game. And uh, they talked about how awesome the experience was, right? Like you got to go and uh, really be up close and personal with some of your heroes. Uh, you got to really see the, how, the craziness of what things are like down there on the field. You get to feel the magnitude of like just being at the very bottom of this huge stadium. Like they talk about it like, like it is the coolest thing in the world. And I hope to one day be able to, to do something like that. Uh, I think it would be the, the coolest experience ever. But you know who they don't give sideline passes to? They've never given sideline passes to players. Now, why is that? Because it would be silly, right? Like, the players don't need sideline passes. They already are in the game. What sideline passes are, at the end of the day, they're just another seat. Like, it's a cooler vantage point from which to watch the game. It's no different than being up in the nosebleeds, except you can see a little better, right? That's all it is at the end of the day is it's just another seat. And I think that it's really easy for us in this season of life that you guys are in as a college student. It's really easy to treat your pursuit of the Lord uh, as a sideline pass. It's really easy to treat your, your relationship with Jesus as one in which you kind of stand on the sidelines. It's it's just, man, I have a relationship with Jesus, so now I just get to stand on the sidelines and watch from a cooler perspective. And what I, what I want you to know tonight is that that's not at all the design of what a relationship with Jesus looks like. I know a lot of times the way that that manifests itself is you'll show up to cool events like Revive and maybe to church on a Sunday morning, and for, for whatever reason, 
you know, you like to go to those, whether it's because, man, my friends go and I love to see them, or uh, I just, I, I think I get a lot out of it, and so I like to go, not, not bad reasons by, by any means, but you're, you're just there to watch, and you're just there to learn. But what if I told you that God's design for his church was not that it would just be an event that you show up and attend. See, when you give your life to Jesus, you aren't given sideline passes. When you give your life to Jesus and you start a relationship with him, you're handed a uniform. And it's at that point that you are expected not to just watch from a cool vantage point, but you're expected to get in the game. Like there's a mission that's got to be accomplished. And, and you are the hands and feet that are going to help that mission get accomplished. We've got to break out of this worldwide culture that I think we find ourselves in a lot of people who see the church as an event that we come to attend and rather see it as a mission that we come to accomplish. Because that's exactly what the church is. God has specifically ordained the church, the body of believers, to carry out the Great Commission. That is his design for the church. And tonight, what we're going to do, I want to challenge you tonight with one more final resolution, and that's this, to get involved. Get involved. Tonight, we're going to talk about what it looks like to wear a uniform rather than treat your relationship with Jesus like a sideline pass. Uh, And the way that you get involved with the mission of Christ is by getting involved with his church. Now, if we're going to talk about getting involved in church tonight, we need to first establish some ground rules, okay? Because what I know about this room is that there are all sorts of different churches represented here, which is awesome. But I also know that in this season of life that you're in as a college student, like, church can kind of sometimes be weird, and we need to start with this foundation, okay? So, So first and foremost, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus like born-again believer, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to be plugged into a local church. That's first and foremost. That is foundational. Now, let's talk about what that means, because again, it's weird for college students. Your church back home, like while you're here in Dahlonega or Cleveland or, you know, Tacoa, wherever it is that you attend school, while you're here, your church back home does not count if you're, if you're not going there on a consistent basis, Okay. It like saying I'm plugged into a church doesn't look like, oh, I, you know, like once every few months I go back and just check in, make sure everybody's doing okay. And like, that's my home church that I attend. That's not okay for your time in college. You need to be plugged into a local church consistently. Now, here's another thing that I, that I need you guys to hear, right? Revive is not a church. So, so if, you, if you think that you're coming to revive and like this is, you know, your, your spiritual booster shot to get you through the week and, and you got your church back home and that's kind of like this is supplementing that, that's not the right way to do things. There's some really important components of a church that revive just does not have. Now, revive is an outworking of a church, but if you're relying on this to be your church, you're missing out on some incredible things that, that you need for your relationship with the Lord, okay? Okay. Um, Here's here's what you need to do while you're in college, is you need to get involved in a local church. A a local church, key word there is is local, again, not the church back home, but you need to get involved in a church and attend it consistently over the time period that you find yourself in college. 
Okay, that, that is how to invest in a, in a local body of believers. Now, there are a lot of different churches that are represented here, which is awesome. Man, I, I'm so, so happy that this has become something that, that man, you guys are, are fired up to come to every week. And no matter what church you go to, you are so, so welcome to continue to come. But tonight, I'm going to talk through the context of Christ Place, because Christ Place is the church that... that Revive as an outworking of. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to get involved in church today. And, and you're going to probably hear me say some things that are like Christ place specific. However, each and every one of you that attend different churches, I know for a fact, because I, I know many of the college pastors at the different churches that, that you guys attend, I know that all of the principles that I'm going to talk about tonight are transferable to the churches that you attend. So, so when we talk about getting involved in church tonight, if you are a Christ Place person, this 100% applies to you. But if you attend the Branch, if you attend the Torch, if you attend Concord, if you attend First Baptist Dahlonega, if you attend Lakewood, like whatever church it is, each and every one of these things I know for a fact exist at your churches, and it is just as crucial for you to get involved there as if you were a member at Christ Place. That sound good? Good ground? Good uh like foundation for us to start with. So I told you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Tonight we're going to look together at a few different passages of Scripture. We're going to start in Acts 4, uh, but I want to introduce you tonight to one of the most influential men in the New Testament. We're going to do a little bit of a character study tonight as we talk about what it looks like to get involved in God's church. So I want to introduce you tonight to a, a man that comes from the island of Cyprus. Uh, this guy, he, his actual name is Joseph, but many of you probably know him by a, a different name. He was a huge proponent of the early church, like, the, like a, a great example for us to, to look at as, we look at as we look at the topic of getting involved in church. This guy was one of the Apostle Paul's travel partners, like one of his partners in ministry. Tonight, I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Barnabas, all right? So, um, Barnabas is, is perfect for this idea of getting involved uh, because he wasn't flashy. He, he didn't make a name for himself, like on a stage, standing up in front of everybody and saying, follow me. Matter of fact, he wasn't even extremely talented. But one thing Barnabas was, was all into the mission that God was doing through the church in the New Testament. He made every effort to get involved and further that mission. And so tonight, from the life of Barnabas, we're going to learn three ways that we can get involved in church. That sound good? All right, awesome. That was, that was a lot of head nodding. Y'all are with me. All right, I like it. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Now remember that phrase. That's important. It says, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners or of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which, by the way, means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money he had and laid it at the apostles' feet. So let's, let's stop there. In, in verse 36 here, we're introduced to this guy named Barnabas. 
And Barnabas here, he voluntarily joins in on what the church is doing. We specifically see Barnabas kind of join in with this movement. He owns this field. And he gets a, a real estate agent with him, and he, he decides he's going to sell this field, take all the money that he gets, and go and lay it at the feet of the people who are doing the work of ministry, the apostles. And so Barnabas shows us in this text the, ver- the very first way that we can get involved with the mission of the church, and that is to give. One of the first ways that you can get involved with the mission of the church, the, the way that you can put on a uniform and no longer stand on the sideline pass or on the sidelines is through your generosity, through giving. Now, you're probably like, really, are we going to start there? Yes, we are. And, and I'm telling you, it's so, so crucial. So here's something that I know about like humans, right? Just something that the way that we are naturally wired, it, the way that we're naturally wired is that when we love something, we automatically Maybe oftentimes without thinking, we invest in it. You guys ever notice that? Like, like when, we, when we truly love something, we invest in it. That's why around this time of year, I know what football team each and every one of you cheer for. Logan Bachelor is wearing, I don't know where he is. I saw him earlier. Yep, I see you. He was wearing a, a Georgia Bulldogs uh, pullover. Many of you. I see all sorts of Georgia Bulldogs. Now, you could be dressed a lot nicer, but... I know what sort of football team you guys cheer for because you wear it all over you, right? You invest in these things. You invest in things like jerseys and polos and hats and license plates and lanyards and yard signs and bumper stickers and steering wheel covers and phone cases and house decorations and oven mitts and keychains. And I know, man, I know, I'm confident. Please don't show us. But I know that someone in here had a bit too good of a night on the night of the national championship and overreacted a little bit and got a tattoo of the Georgia Bulldogs and maybe a trophy, I I don't know, some angry, drooling bulldog somewhere on your body. I know that that I, I can tell by the way that you invest your money, the things that you love, right? See, all of those things, buying all those things, like, to get it, you had to take out a second mortgage. You had to, like... Like up, you know, you're probably not able to afford rent this month, but that's okay, right? Because you invest in what you love. Now, this is not a concept that came from my brain. Jesus was actually recorded in the gospel of Matthew saying this very thing. And he says it like this in Matthew chapter six, verse 21, Jesus is recorded as saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your money follows your heart. So, Here's why this is important. Because if you love Jesus, like if you're someone who says, man, I I love Jesus, then what that also means is that you love his body. That's what Jesus refers to his church as, is his body. So so you don't get to say, Jesus, like like I love Jesus, but no, his body's not for me. Church is not for me. Those two are one and the same. If you love Jesus, you also love his body. And, And if your money follows your heart, If you love his body, then naturally the response is to invest in it. What should naturally follow is that you invest in his church. Now, I think a lot of people, y'all, get turned off to the idea of giving through a church because they see it as an obligation. Is that right? Like, Like, am I right in assuming that? They see it as an obligation. They equate it to something like taxes or, you know, a rent payment coming up or anything like that. Because here's the thing. 
when it's an obligation, all of a sudden, that's not generosity. That's responsibility. And that's not fun for anyone, right? Like no one is like super excited about the next phone bill that they have coming up. If you do, you're psycho, right? Because obligation, responsibility, that's not fun to spend money on. But that's not at all what we want giving to be. See, if I've learned anything over my time that I've spent working at a church at Christ's place, I've learned this. It's that God takes care of his church. God takes care of his church. Now, now why am I saying that? Because I'm a firm believer that if tomorrow, like every penny, every bit of giving just stopped, like if tomorrow we were not to get another cent for the rest of forever, the church would still go on. Like literally, Christ Place Church would still move forward. Now, it might look a lot different. We might not be able to rent out the marketplace every week. We might not be able to afford these nice speakers. But the church is still moving on. It might look a lot different. We might be in y'all's houses or like in a large field somewhere just singing acoustics or something. But the church is still going on because God takes care of his church. See, we went through this time period of COVID not too long ago in 2020. And uh, one thing that took place during COVID was that giving, I don't know if you guys know this, like in, in not just Christ's place, but a lot of churches in, in this area, giving took a dramatic downturn. Like it, it was a huge thing. And man, what I saw over and over and over again was that God provided because God takes care of his church. Now, why am I telling you this? Because, and, and I I want to be careful in saying this, but the reason I tell you that is because your church, whatever church you go to, or our church, if you're a member at Christ's place, we don't need your money. Like, God does not need your money, right? We are not called, or we are called to be managers, like stewards of the church that he has given us. That's all we are. We're stewards. We're not owners, but we're also not sustainers. God is the sustainer of his church. We are just the stewards of his church. And so what, what, the reason I tell you that is because I don't want you to feel like whenever we talk about giving that I'm asking for like your dues to come in. It, it's not tax season every week whenever you show up to church. Giving is not an obligation. It's an overflow. It's an overflow of a life connected to God. It's, it's an overflow of, God, you were so generous with me in sending your own son, Jesus, to die in my place that my natural reaction is then to be generous with you. The desire for your generosity is not because we need it for our church to survive. It's because we want all of you to look more like Jesus. It's a part of the process of becoming more and more like him. We say this all the time at Christ's place, and maybe you guys hear this at the churches that you attend, if you attend a different one, but generosity is not something that we want from you. It's something that we want for you, because it makes you look more like Jesus, and that's what we're all about. It's not an obligation. It's an overflow from a relationship. That's why, remember I told you to remember that phrase, all these believers in, in uh, verse 32, it says, all those who believed, they were of one heart and soul. In other words, they were so bought into the mission of Christ, they were so bought into each other that these things, these radical sacrificial acts of generosity, those were just an overflow of that belief, of that investment in each other and investment in the mission of God. So for some of you, 
man, the next step that you need to take today, moving forward, of getting involved in your church, is that you need to take the step of giving consistently. That, that might be you today. Now, that doesn't need to, again, be out of obligation, but out of overflow of your love for the mission that God is accomplishing through his church. And so I'll just tell you guys, uh, from, from this point forward, because we are, we're passionate about discipling you in generosity, for our Christ-placed people, not for a single one of you who goes to another church, we're going to start making generosity a regular part of our revive gatherings on Thursday nights. Now, that's not, we're not going like, to start passing dishes all through the crowd or anything like that. But what we are going to do is we're going to provide a link for you guys. If you're a Christ Place member, like if you call Christ Place your home church while you were in college, we're going to provide opportunities for you to give on Thursday night and practice getting involved through generosity. And you might ask yourself, you know, I'm a college student, don't make that much money. Like, how much am I supposed to give? Well, we're actually later on this semester going to do a, a series on money and how to be wise about money. Uh, and I'm super excited for that. So I'm not going to get too into the weeds on that tonight. But here's what I will tell you. Just a quick, easy biblical principle is this. When you give, if, you're at, if the question is how much, the only thing that I would say is don't give leftovers. Don't give leftovers. That's like the default for college students is like, you know, you live with, with all the money that you make. And then if there's any leftover, then it's like, yeah, I can throw that towards the church. I can throw that towards this charity or, or whatever it is, right? We give our first and best. We give our first and best to the Lord. That is, that is we prioritize giving above all else. We prioritize our generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Maybe, maybe that is your step tonight, moving forward. The way that you get involved is to give. Not only do we see here that Barnabas invests his resources, but we learn another way to get involved. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to see another account of Barnabas in Acts chapter 9, specifically in verse 26. Now, in verse 26, what's going on here in the Bible, the context that's going on here, this is right after the Apostle Paul has gone through this radical conversion. See, before his name became Paul, he was actually known as Saul. And Saul was notorious uh, for being a persecutor of Christians. He was a Pharisee. He was somebody who literally, he hunted down followers of Jesus and tried to kill them or throw them in jail. And Paul has just, or Saul has just undergone this radical transformation. Jesus, uh, on the road to Damascus, he encounters Jesus. And uh, man, Jesus radically changes him and sends him on a mission to follow him and, and to spread his word all throughout the region. Well, this is right after that conversion. And you'll see kind of how the believers in that time reacted towards Paul wanting to step in and join alongside of the mission that they were on. So it says in, uh, in verse 26, when he had come to Jerusalem, he being Paul, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him for good reason, right? For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him, brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. 
And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, that just means the Greeks, but they were still seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Y'all, the second way that you can get involved in the mission of the church, the second way that you can get involved in your church is to grow, specifically growing in a group. Grow in a group. See, at this time, no one wanted to deal with Paul, then Saul, or right before Saul, because they were afraid of him, right? They judged whether or not his conversion was true. They were like, they, they felt like they were in danger. I mean, you're probably not inviting serial killers over for dinner at your house. Maybe you are, and God bless you. But like, that is, that, that's, this is really what the equivalent of that would have been. I mean, Paul had killed so many people that, that these believers probably knew and loved. And, and so they're, they're terrified. But look what it says. Barnabas took Paul and brought him. He called him up. He affirmed him publicly. And, and what takes place is that Paul is then encouraged. And as a result, he gets back to preaching. And if you don't know, Paul is responsible for writing most of the New Testament. Like this was a huge part that Barnabas had to play in the story of God. And Barnabas would actually remain a close friend of Paul's throughout his ministry. And he would be a constant encourager. What we know about Barnabas is that Barnabas invested in people. And there is no better way to invest in the mission of God than to invest in the people of God. If you want to invest in the mission of God, like if you want to put on a uniform and get into the game, then invest in the people of God. And the way that we do that at Christ's place, and the way that many of your churches do that uh, at whatever church you attend is through groups. Now, do you know that a group is literally how Jesus carried out his ministry on earth? Like, that was, this is, it's not like, you know, we just came up with this out of thin air. This is literally how Jesus did life and how he did ministry. He gathered a group of guys around him, 12 guys, and they did life and ministry together. And as they went about and, and served and did ministry and healed the sick and, uh, and all these different things, they sharpened one another. They grew in their relationship with each other and their relationship with God. This is what a group looks like. Some of you tonight, maybe your next step in your relationship with the Lord, your next step of getting involved in the mission of Christ, getting involved in your church, is to get plugged into a group. I can tell you personally that getting plugged into a group absolutely changed my life. Like, my story, you know, is, is pretty clean cut. Uh, I grew up in a, in a Christian family and, you know, went to church all growing up, was there every time the doors were open. Uh, but about the time that I got to like 10th grade, I like started to derail in my faith, big time. Uh, I had just gone through like a change of high school. So I went to one high school, switched to a different high school. And um, the, the new high school that I found myself at, I was like determined that I was going to be the popular kid, and I don't know where that came from, but that was like the, the, the mission that I sought out to accomplish. And so what that looked like uh, was that, man, I started getting involved with all sorts of groups of people that I sh had no business being involved with. Uh, and my faith started to absolutely derail through that time. I, I mean, it, it was not good. 
Uh, and, and so while I'm, I'm chasing after these groups of people, I'm simultaneously still showing up to church. You know, I'm simultaneously still trying to play like I'm, I'm a, you know, this great Jesus follower. Every time the doors are open, I'm still there. Now, as all of that is going on, there's this group of guys that were, you know, were there at, at church and they realized that there were some things going on in my life that I had no business being a part of. And the thing that absolutely, I think, saved my relationship with Jesus is that these guys, they had a, a group that was going on. It was a small group. They got together on a consistent basis. They did life together. They, they read God's word together. They challenged each other. And they invited me to be a part of it. And it was literally through getting involved with that group, uh, doing life together with those guys, opening God's word together once a week, um, allowing them to speak into my life, challenge me, asking me, you know, why I was doing what I'm doing, then pointing me to God's word. It was through that, that I genuinely believe that I was set back on the right course in my relationship with the Lord. Like, I don't know where I would be if it was not for the accountability and discipleship and community that came from a group of guys that were willing to invest in each other. Y'all, groups are crucial. And, and they are so much more crucial in your life than they will ever be when you are a college student. When you, for the first time, find yourself uh, living on your own, able to make your own choices, make your own decisions, they are more crucial now than ever. Now, when we start talking about groups, what I know often happens is that all the ladies in the room are like, yes, get me in four. Like, I, I would love to be in a group. And men are like, yeah, I'm not trying to sit in a circle and talk about my feelings. Like, that just does not sound enjoyable to me. But I don't want you to picture that when you hear me talk about groups. I, I don't know how your churches do it. I, I'm, I'm sure that they are very similar. But when we talk about a group, we're literally talking about like your spiritual workout. Like this is the place that you go for training, for, for sharpening. Literally Proverbs, uh, it talks about the process of believers doing life together. It refers to that as iron sharpening iron, right? That is, that is a process that is not for the faint of heart. It is a process that is meant for those who are willing to take their next step in their relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, it will absolutely change everything about your relationship with Jesus. Through community, you're challenged and you're pushed, but you're also known and loved. And this is why we have groups that we talked about, that we talk about, that we emphasize at the beginning of every semester through Christ's place, through Revive. Because some of you go to churches that there is not a group of college students that meets consistently. And if that is you, we would love to invite you to be a part of groups that, that we have here. We have some incredible small group leaders. The way that we do groups here is that we, the, the groups actually take place on your school campus. I'll tell you more later about how to sign up for them, but literally we have groups that meet every single week here at UNG Dahlonega. We have groups that meet every single week at Truett McConnell, and those groups are a group of your peers, people that are like the same stage of life, walking in your shoes, and those groups come together, maybe it's at a, a house of, that, of you know, one of the group members, maybe it's at a coffee shop, but come together, open up God's word, ask each other difficult questions, hold each other accountable. I'm telling you, it is one of the greatest things that you can do for your relationship with the Lord. 
And so that's what, that's what it would look like to get plugged in through a group here. But some of you, you're, you're, you are at a church that offers groups, and you're not a part of it. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on, on a group of people that are same stage of life, walking uh, alongside of you, doing life together. It'll change everything about your relationship with the Lord. Turn to Acts chapter 11. The last thing, last way that we can get involved tonight is to serve. Let me read in verse 19. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the first disciples were called Christians. The final way tonight that I want to share with you that you can get involved in your church is to serve. And man, this is so important. In this little passage that we just read about Barnabas, like one of the most invested people in the early church, what we see is that word has gotten back to the church in Jerusalem that Barnabas was a part of. Word had gotten back to Barnabas and his church that the church in Antioch was exploding, that God was moving, that he is doing incredible things. And the church sends Barnabas as like an ambassador to join in on the work that the church in Antioch was doing. Now, what's important for you to know is that this was not like a short distance. This was not like, hey, you know, you're a part of the church in Dahlonega and the church in Cleveland could really use some help. Like, that is not what it is. This is like a long journey. Like he's having to leave for an entire year his family and his friends. And that's what he does. Barnabas goes and he exhorts the believers. He challenges them. He encourages them. He disciples them. Barnabas is living on mission. And as a result, according to this passage, many more come into the family of God. Well, what Barnabas does is he then goes and gets Paul, and Paul joins in, and they do ministry together for an entire year. And what's going to take place is it's from here that Barnabas and Paul are going to leave on Paul's first big missionary journey. This is a crucial part of the book of Acts. But the thing that we see here about Barnabas is this, that his yes was on the table. Barnabas's yes was on the table. When it came to accomplishing the mission that God had called him to, he was willing to do whatever it took to help the church succeed. If it meant being sent all the way to Antioch, leaving his friends and his family, Barnabas was willing to do whatever it took to see the mission of the church go forth. The thing about Barnabas is that he was willing to do whatever it took. Before he was even asked, he knew, like before, before anything was asked of him, He knew that his answer was yes. If there was something required of him to help the church, his answer was an automatic yes no matter what it was. And throughout Scripture, time and time and time again, we see this pattern that when God wants to do something incredible, 
when God wants to do like something that is God's size, a huge movement that he often uses, always uses, he, he does those things through the hands and feet of people who are willing to put their yes on the table. That's how he accomplishes it. We see it here with Barnabas, but you can also see it, like if you go back and look at the accounts of Jesus calling the disciples, you can see that they literally, they dropped everything. They left their friends, they left their family, they dropped everything where it was, and they followed Jesus. You go back to the story of Moses, right? I mean, God comes to Moses in a burning bush and kind of gives him a mission, and Moses' first reaction is that his yes was not on the table. He says, God, I can't speak, like I have this speech impediment, and you're asking me to go in front of a king? Like, this is, this is not for me. Well, God then reminds him, like, do you remember that I'm the one who made your mouth to begin with? And eventually Moses gets to the place where, all right, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is that you want me to go, my answer is yes. And if you know the story, it's from that, from that position that Moses then goes and has an audience with the Pharaoh. And it's through that, uh, that encounter that eventually the Israelite people are freed from slavery and God does an incredible work. But he does it, again, through the hands and feet of someone whose yes is on the table. My question to you, are you willing to put your yes on the table when it comes to serving in your church? The Lord can do something God-sized through your church too, whether that's Christ's place, whether it's a different church that you attend. My question to you is, is your yes on the table? Man, that could look like so many different things, but, but it's not, are you willing to serve in kids' ministry? Are you willing to serve in student ministry? It's, are you willing to literally write the Lord a blank check to say, God, you, you fill in the amount line. I, I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. My answer is yes. You know, I, I think a lot of times when we start talking about serving in church, like our, our brain immediately goes to the what? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just not going to do anything. One thing that I've learned is that when it, when it comes to things like this, God often doesn't reveal the what until we get to the place where our answer would be yes to anything. And so if you've been in a place where you're struggling to see where you fit in, like, man, I, I know I'm probably called to do something, but I don't know what it is, so I'm just going to do nothing. When you get to the place where you can say, Lord, whatever it is that you need, I am 100% available. I am all yours. My answer is yes. It's then that the Lord will, he will move in a powerful way and you will feel him place the desire in your heart of some sort of area for you to serve his church. I'm, I'm telling you, it is, it is an incredible thing. And I'll just tell you, there's going to be all sorts of reasons that the enemy tries to put in your brain to tell you that you can't. It might be that... Uh, that reason is, well, I got all this homework to do, and I know that I can't get up super early because I got to be awake and alert at night to be able to do homework. And, and, and I'm telling you, that's not a bad reason, but the reasons that the enemy tries to put in your head, they're going to sound really, really good because he's crafty. He's creative. That's how he works. But here's the thing. Even though these reasons will probably sound valid, if our yes is truly on the table, like if we can really get to that place where we'll say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, my answer is yes. We know that serving often looks like putting ourselves in positions that are inconvenient 
to further the mission that we're called to. Let me give you a perfect picture of what this looks like. Y'all remember last week when Delonica was like up, about to be ripped out of the ground and like thrown somewhere else? We were under a tornado watch all afternoon. Like, y'all remember that, right? And revive still happened. It was incredible. The sun came out. It was beautiful. But at that point in time, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you like behind the scenes, I'm looking at the weather and I'm going, this does not look good. We might have to cancel revive, you know, Lord, whatever. It's in your hands. We're going to move forward. So you guys might not know this, but every single week at three o'clock, there is a load-in team. This room is 100% empty when we walk in. We have a team of like five guys that show up at three o'clock every single week, and we have this janky little trailer, and we pull it up like right down there, and we carry every bit of this gear, all these chairs across the street, up the stairs, and into this building. Well, last week, if you remember, last week I told you I had an ultrasound, so I was not, or my wife had an ultrasound, not I. Uh, <laughs> I was not able to be here for, uh, for our load-in team, uh, for load-in. Normally, I try to help as much as I can. So last week, at 3 o'clock, it is literally hailing, like dumping rain, hail, and our guys are out here in the pouring rain, pulling stuff out of the trailer, walking it across the, street, across the street, up these stairs, so that we could have Revive for the first week back in the spring. Like, that's a big deal. That's what it looks like to put your yes on the table. Like, I'm literally, I get, get back and Caleb's telling me about how great the team did. I'm walking around, I'm finding like wet socks just laying over things. I guess they just let their clothes lay out to dry. I mean, they got drenched. That's what it looks like to put your yes on the table. It might be inconvenient. It might be uncomfortable. But look what, look what was able to happen last week. We were able to get 250 college students in a room together and worship Jesus because there were five guys that were willing to put their yes on the table. You see how the Lord can use incredible things like that to accomplish uh, big God-sized things? I mean, it, it is incredible what the Lord can do with a simple yes. I want to invite the band to come back up. We're going, to start to, uh, we're going to start to land the plane. I don't know what those serving opportunities look like for you in your church. But I, I can tell you that for, for all of you, I know so many of you are members at Christ Place, specifically Christ Place North. Man, we have so many different areas that we need you guys, college students specifically, to serve. Like, we really do need it. The church is growing at an incredible rate, and, and we need help. And we would love for some people who are tonight willing to put their yes on the table and make that happen. I can just tell you right now, here are some areas that we would, we would love to have any of you serve. Uh, we need help uh, in kids' ministry. You know, if, if you feel like that's something that, that you would be uh, called to do, yes is on the table that we would love to have you help out in kids' ministry, uh, first impressions, set up and tear down, uh, students, college. We have a team of incredible leaders that uh, help with Revive and campus outreach and social media and small groups. There are so many opportunities to serve. The question is tonight, is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? See, tonight... There's not a single person in this room that does not have a step to take. And, and here's why. 
Because when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, one of my absolute favorite things about it is that there are never, there, there is never a place that you get to where there's not more for you. Does that make sense? Like, there are always new levels that you can go in your relationship with the Lord. There are always new depths that the Lord wants to take you to in your relationship with Him. Like, whenever you guys were little, I'm sure you played the game Follow the Leader. That's what we're doing. We're following Jesus, right? You were a terrible Follow the Leader player if you didn't move because you're getting left. Now, Jesus isn't going to leave you. That's the incredible thing about a relationship with Him. But also, to follow Him is not a stagnant thing. It's a dynamic thing. Like, we're, we're moving. We're constantly taking steps. And so every single person in this room, there's a step to take tonight. I, I don't know what it is, man. Maybe tonight it's, it's that you're going to start giving for the first time on a consistent basis. Maybe tonight your step is that you want to grow in the context of a group. Maybe it's that you want to serve. That for the first time, you're like, Lord, I'm going to put my yes on the table. Whatever it is you want me to accomplish, my answer is yes. But tonight, what, what we want to do is we want to give you guys an opportunity to take that step. For those of you who attend a church that's not Christ's place, really your decision tonight is going to come here. Like You need to make that decision and resolve that whatever the Lord has put on your heart, that you're going to take that step starting this Sunday, as soon as you walk through the doors. For those of you, though, who, uh, who attend Christ's place, or for some of these options, you can attend any, any church, we have an easy way for you to take a next step tonight. And as we enter this time of response, I kind of want to lay that out for you. And then here after service is over, we're going to have plenty of opportunities for you guys to take that step. You guys remember if you were here last week, I told you that moving forward, uh, we are trying to basically take every bit of things that are happening with Christ Place College Ministry and put them in one place. You see these different QR codes around the building. We have a little table set up with iPads in the back. Each of those QR codes will take you to the place that those iPads are set up to. It is one place where you can find everything going on with Christ Place College Ministry. Let me tell you what we did tonight to help you respond to the, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit on your heart. Tonight, we have basically wiped that slate clean. We have taken just about all the like, you know, crazy, fun, camping trip, whatever options off of, that, off of that page. And we have basically put three buttons. And the three buttons are the three points in our sermon tonight. If you wrote them down, they were give, grow in a group, and serve. And, and so after service, if you feel like the Lord is placed on your heart, man, one of those areas I need to take a step in, then all you need to do is either go to one of these QR codes, one of those iPads, scan, or go fill out one of those forms. Click one of those buttons, and it will take you to, if it's give, an online link that you can fill out to, to start giving consistently. It'll take you to our small group form if, if, man, your step tonight is I need to get plugged into a group. Or tonight if it's, yeah, I need to put my yes on the table and serve. We literally have a form that you can fill out that says, my yes is on the table. I don't know where. Here are some things that might interest me. But all I want to say is that I'm willing to serve. All you got to do is scan one of those QR codes, click one of those three buttons, and 
all of your next steps will be right there in front of you. It's super simple and easy. We want to try to make that as, as easy as possible for all of you guys. So everybody's got a step to take tonight. You don't have to go to Christ's place for, for that step to be taken. You can resolve right here and right now that this semester, I'm going to get involved with my church, whatever that looks like. So I want to invite you guys to stand. Some of you tonight, maybe you don't have a home church. Maybe you have been going through this, uh, this season of life as a college student and you are not plugged into a local church. If that's you, man, that is totally fine. But tonight we want to give you the opportunity to get plugged into a local church. That same link is there on those QR codes. Uh, I will be down front after service. Would love to talk to you about Christ's place and how you can get involved and plugged in. So maybe that's a step that you need to take tonight. But maybe tonight there's somebody who, man, you just showed up with a friend and you didn't realize you were going to get thrown all these different decisions your way and all of that. And you don't even, like, you're, you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Well, if that's you tonight, I want to invite you to step into a relationship with Jesus because you have a Savior who loves you so much that he died for your sin to give you an opportunity to experience new life in him. And so if that's you, I'll be standing off to the side during this response song, and I would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like. But the band is going to lead us in a time of worship, and I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship together. We're going to respond as the Lord leads us. Father, we love you. God, we're so grateful for your church. We're so grateful for uh, God getting to be a part of, of all the things that you're doing, not just at Christ's place, but Lord, at all these churches in this area. I pray, God, that this would be a group of students that are plugged into, involved in a local church, that we're not just content to stand on the sidelines, but God, we are putting on a uniform because we want to play a part in this mission that you're calling us to accomplish. Lord, we love you. God, we want to be more like you. I pray that you would move in our hearts in a powerful way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.